0: Hi! This week on Redistray, right I'm going to be reading the 10th and 11th chapters of Exile by Shannon Messenger. Chapter 10. Don't stare at his scars. Sophie repeated the command over and over, ordering herself to obey. She tried to focus on the gray walls with the bl- glowing blue crystals set among the stones, or the four metal chairs, the only furniture in the room that were bolted to the ground by large silver springs, but her eyes always returned to the warped, puckered dents in Brant's chin or the red splotches and thin white lines that twisted and tangled their way up half of his cheek. He hacked a wheezing cough, covering his ruined mouth with a hand that was red and raw. You brought a new person, he rasped when his throat cleared. Grady wrapped in arm across her shoulders, and Sophie was surprised to feel that he was trembling. Yes, this is Sophie. She lives with us at Havenfield now. Brent smiled, making his lip fold into the mottled lumps of flesh around it. Sophie dropped her eyes to the yellow-orange shirt he wore with long, floppy sleeves and a tie around the middle. It looked a bit like a bathrobe. Brent coughed again. How very... (coughs) (laughs) unexpected. Before anyone could reply, he pointed at the satchel Edeline clutched against her stomach. Is that for me? Edeline crossed the room to where Brant sat and placed the satchel in his lap. You know I never forget. The fabric shredded as he tore into the sack, the way a small child might open a present, revealing a round silver box. Custard bursts! Edeline smiled. "'Chocolate, butterscotch, and lushberry. "'I made them this morning.' "'Brant pried open the lid and pulled out a square purple puff "'that looked a bit like a colored marshmallow, and took a bite. "'Pink juice dribbled down the scar on his chin "'as he smacked his lip and stuffed the rest in his mouth. "'Aren't custard bursts the best thing you've ever tasted?' "'He asked Sophie, spitting bits of crumbs. "'Sophie had never heard of them, but she didn't want to admit it, "'so she just said, "'Yeah.' His smile faded to a frown. You've never tried one, have you? No, I... Sophie started, but Adeline cut her off. I only make them once a year. Brent didn't say anything, and he definitely didn't offer her one. As he closed the tin and tucked it back into the shreds of the bag, Sophie stared at her feet, counting the blisters peeking around the edges of her shoes. Seven separate welts had already formed, and she was sure there were more to come but they stung less than knowing Adeline had a special treat she'd never shared with her. Brant hacked another wheezing cough, shattering the silence. Are you sick? Adeline asked. Don't, he shouted as she reached out like she wanted to check his forehead for fever. He curled his knees into his chest and wrapped his arms around his legs, forming an impenetrable ball. I'm fine. His voice sounded hoarse, though. Sit he ordered, motioning to the three empty chairs. "'Tell me what's happened over the last year. "'Clearly there have been some changes.' Sophie sank into a springing chair, surprised to discover it was actually comfortable. The metal was soft somehow, molding to her body like a cushion would, but it was cold. Or maybe the chill had more to do with the way Brant's pale eyes had focused on her again.' They were more of a grey than a blue, and they were framed with thick lashes, the same jet black as his hair. She realized then that Brandt would have would have should have been good looking, but the fire had ruined him. Don't stare at his scars. I've seen you before, he muttered, still studying Sophie. You have? He nodded as his eyes traced every inch of her face, finally settling on her neck. His metal tin of custard bursts clanged against the ground as he lunged for her. Sophie shrieked and tried to block him, but he pinned her shoulders to the chair with one arm while his other arm tore at her cape. "'That's mine!' he shouted as Grady yanked him away and tossed him to the far side of the room. "'What's gotten into you?' Grady yelled as Brant cowered in the corner, muttering. "'Mine!' to his fist. Adeline rushed to Sophie, checking her for injuries. "'Are you all right?' She asked. Sophie nodded, not quite able to speak yet. She kept one eye on Brandt as she adjusted her clothes, frowning when she noticed something missing. He stole my family crest. Brandt kissed his fisted palm, and Sophie noticed the tiniest speck of a yellow sparkle peeking t- between his fingers. Mine, he said, laughing this time. I guess he just he recognized Jolly's pin, Adeline mumbled. Her eyes turned watery. Brant, give it back, Grady ordered, stalking toward him. It's okay. He can keep it, Sophie told Grady as he grabbed Brant's hand, and Brant scrambled and tried to shove him away. She seemed to be making everything worse by being there, and she didn't want that. Besides, Brant had known and loved Jolly in a way she never could. Jolly's pin belonged to him much more than it would ever to her. Mine! Brent shouted, laughing and kissing the jeweled bird before he slipped it into the pocket of his long cloak. His whole body relaxed when his treasure was safely tucked away and his face twisted into an ugly smile. Adeline straightened up. "'Maybe we should go.' "'No!' Brent shouted, coughing and shaking his head. When he met Sophie's eyes, he seemed calm again. "'Stay.' Really, I'm fine, Sophie promised. And after hesitating a second, Grady helped Brant settle back into his chair and handed him his tin of custard bursts. Adeline stayed next to Sophie, playing bodyguard. Brant coughed again, dry and hoarse. Want me to conjure you some tea, Adeline offered. Nothing hot! He dragged out the last word into a desperate wail. Then the wail turned into a cat crackling laugh and he rocked back and forth rubbing his ruined chin Grady launched into a long update on everything that had happened over the last year but sophie couldn't tell if brant was actually listening mostly he stared at her with his damaged face which made her want to look anywhere but him and yet she held his gaze like a tractor beam Adeline finally broke their awkward staring contest when she mentioned sylvany Brant's tin of custard bursts crashed to the ground again, and Sophie braced for another attack as Edeline jumped in front of her, but he simply stood, his face darting between the three of them. "'You found another alicorn? A female?' Grady moved to Sophie's side, taking her hand. "'Sophie was the one who picked up Sylvany's thoughts in the forest and helped us bring her home. She'll be the one rehabilitating her, too.' Brent walked toward the wall, gazing at the smooth stones like someone might gaze out the window. So, the timeline will be reset. He spun back toward them, his gray eyes sparkling as they met Sophie's. It's a turning point in our ever-changing world. Um, sure. The room fell into silence and Sophie started to squirm, wondering how much longer they'd have to sit there in the cold, unsettling room with the cold, unsettling elf. Fortunately, Brant made it easy on them. I'm tired now, he mumbled, dropping to the hard floor and curling up like a baby. I need to rest. Sophie expected Grady and Adeline to help him to his bed. Instead, they got up and crouched beside him, squeezing his shoulder and telling him to sweep, sleep well. See you next year, Brant murmured through a yawn. He patted Jelly's pen in his pocket, like he needed to make sure it was there before he closed his eyes. By the time they made it to the door, Brandt was already snoring. "'You sure you're okay?' Grady asked for the third time as they climbed the steps to their bedrooms at Havenfield. Sophie forced a smile, hating that she'd gone to support them, and somehow ended up worrying them more. "'It was hard, like you said it would be, but I'm fine, I promise. I just want to go to bed.' You're not going up there to try and figure out the black swan's clue, are you? Grouty folded his arms across his chest. The sun was barely setting and none of them had eaten dinner, but Sophie was ready for the emotional day to be over. They waited more than three weeks to contact me. They can wait another night. She leaned in to hug them goodnight, but Edeline pulled away. She closed her eyes and snapped her fingers, and a small plate filled with four pink puffy squares appeared in her hand. Sophie jumped back a step. She wasn't sure if she'd ever get used to Edeline's ability to pull things out of thin air, as Edeline held out the plate to her. "'I made these chocolate cherry custard bursts for you. I guess I should have given them to you earlier.' "'Thank you,' Sophie said, feeling the silence when Edeline's voice trailed off. She picked up a piece, surprised when it felt smooth, like hard candy.' but it was like biting into a sweet, sticky cloud filled with fudgy chocolate cream and cherry goo. She had to slurp so it wouldn't run down her chin. She'd thought nothing could ever taste better than mallow melt, but now she wasn't sure. Grady and Adeline laughed as she stuffed the rest of it into her mouth, puffing out her cheeks. They were Jolly's favorite, too, Adeline whispered. I guess that's why I don't like to make them, but if you like them, I can do it more often. Sophie could have eaten a thousand of them, and she was sure she'd crave them every day, but she held up the plate to show the three she had left. These are enough. Adeline wrapped her arms around her. We'll see. They kissed her goodnight, and Sophie climbed the last flight of stairs, nodding to Sandor when she, relay- when she reached her bedroom door. All is well, he assured her, as his eyes lingered on her shoulder. Like he could somehow see the bruise that was forming where Brant had restrained her. She swore goblins had a sixth sense for injuries, but he didn't ask. Just stepped aside to let her pass. As soon as she set foot in her room, low music started playing. Human music, an old song she'd listened to hundreds of times growing up. Dex stopped by, Sander explained behind her. He left something to cheer you up. Oh, part of her had hoped the black swan was making contact again. But when she spotted Iggy's cage, which had been moved from its small table against the wall of windows to the center of her bed, she forgot her disappointment. Iggy, or she assumed it was Iggy, was now a puff of pink frizzy curls. Dex must have fed the tiny imp one of his special hair-growing elixirs, which Iggy didn't seem to mind at all. He was having a lot of fun chasing his pink ringlets around and around. Her iPod had been propped up against the cage, and when the song ended, Dex's face filled the screen. "'Hey, Sophie,' he said, flashing his dimpled grin. "'I thought you might need a laugh after today, since I'm sure it wasn't easy.' He looked down, biting his lip, before he added, "'My mom told me this morning that we might have trees there. Did you see them? That's kind of weird, don't you think?' I mean, well, never mind. I guess you'll tell me about it if you saw them. And here's hoping mine captured my stunning good looks. He smiled again, though it looked a little sad. Anyway, since school is starting soon, my mom wants me to stay home a little more, and my dad needs me to help him at the store. So I guess you're on your own with the vermin for the next few days. Try not to let it eat you. He gave a goofy wave before the screen went black, and Sophie picked up the iPod, trying to figure out how he'd pulled off the trick. Dex was crazy for thinking Technopathy wasn't cool. She set her custard bursts on her desk to finish later, changed into her pajamas, and pulled her puffy pink imp out of his cage, placing him on her pillow before she settled into bed. His fur felt softer than normal, and when she rumpled it, he started making a squeaky sound that, he, that reminded her of a purr. Iggy curled into a ball as she lowered the drapes, and within a few seconds, he was asleep. But it wasn't his motorboat snoring that filled her mind as she closed her eyes. It was Brant's raspy, haunting voice repeating over and over, I've seen you before. He never told her where. Chapter 11 "'Come, friend.' The strange whisper dragged Sophie back to consciousness, and she was grateful for it. Brant's scarred, twisted face had joined her nightmares, and she could practically feel him pinning her against the chair. But instead of taking her pin, he took her hand as he laughed and screamed, "'MINE!' At least she'd figured out why he would said he'd seen her before. She must have reminded him of Jolly, which felt strange. "'Come, friend.' Sophie shook her head, realizing that the whispers were co- where the whispers were coming from. Sylvani, so "'Friend!' the alicorn replied, louder this time, and mixed with a rush of excitement. Sophie stumbled to her feet, knocking, aching to the floor with a startled squeak. "'Sorry,' she whispered as he shook his paws at her, making his pink curls bounce. Sophie grabbed the, f- the first pants and tunic she found and threw them on but couldn't tie the shirt's sash. Her hands were shaking too hard. She could, How could she hear Sylvanie if she wasn't listening for her? The day before, she'd assumed Sylvanie's emotions had been so intense that it had made her subconsciously open up her mind. But now each repetition pounded into her brain like a stone, and when she tried to shield, all it did was muffle the noise. Come, friend! Come, friend! Come, friend! Come, friend! Come, friend! "'What's wrong, Miss Foster?' Sandar asked as she hopped out her bedroom door, still putting on her other boot. "'I don't know,' she admitted, lining for the stairs. Adeline sat at the table in the dimly lit kitchen, her shadowed eyes looking like she hadn't slept at all. She jumped when Sophie rushed toward the door, nearly spilling her tea. "'Are you okay?' "'I think so.' Sophie slipped outside, racing toward Sylvanie's pasture." sander caught up with her grabbing her arm to stop her you really love to make my job difficult don't you he asked as he scanned the scenery sorry i'm just trying to check on Sylvany. sander sighed and drew his weapon stay behind me he moved slow and soldier-like as he led her forward trying to keep his eyes on everything at once but when Sylvany's enclosure came into view Glittering horse was alone, circling the highest part of her dome, still transmitting Come, friend over and over. As soon as she spotted Sophie, she swooped down and trotted to the bars, shoving her nose through and snuffling. Sophie gagged, Alicorn morning breath, almost rivaled, right, iggy breath. What's wrong, girl? Sophie asked as Sander put his weapon away. Cold emotions rushed through her mind, sinking into her heart. Her heart "'You're lonely?' she asked. "'Lonely,' Sylvanie repeated. "'Friend.' "'Everything okay,' Grady called, jogging up behind them. "'His hair was tousled, and he was wearing something that looked part bathrobe, part trench coat, "'which made Sophie realize how early it was. "'The sun was just beginning, beginning to streak the purple sky with hints of orange and pink. "'Did something happen?' he asked. "'No, everything's fine. Sylvanie was just calling me.' She can transmit straight into my brain somehow, and I can't block her. How is that possible? I have no idea he yawned, rubbing the sleep out of his eyes. I'll guess you'll-i guess you'll have to ask Tyrgon about it when foxfire starts. Sophie nodded, trying to stay calm as Grady, but she didn't f- like feeling other voices in her head. It was worrying enough that Fitz could do it now. Sylvanie could too. "'Wasn't her mind designed to be impenetrable?' "'How are you doing this?' she transmitted, stroking Sylvanie's velvety nose. "'Friend! Lonely! Friend!' was the only reply. Sophie sighed. "'Do you think we should move her into the sanctuary so she can be with the other alicorn? She's already on a vegetarian diet. Reading a creature for relocation takes much more than changing what they eat. They need to be well-adjusted to captivity, that they no longer have any desire to leave.' Plus, the sanctuary is a very delicate ecosystem. Introducing the animal too early could destroy the careful balance we worked so hard to maintain. We need to test her to make sure she's not carrying any diseases, and we need to make sure she isn't aggressive with other animals. And most important, she needs to be willing to trust people other than you." Granny stepped closer to Sylvany. Closer and Sylvany reared back. Sophie frowned. Sylvany had let the Hex get close to her. "'though that had probably made it worse "'since they'd restrained her in that terrible harness. "'Sorry, girl,' Sophie said, rubbing Sylvany's cheek. "'You'll have to stay with me for a little while longer.' "'A new feeling poured through Sophie's mind, "'one that made her feet itch to run. "'I think she's restless. "'Maybe we can—we need to get her out of the enclosure.' "'Sylvany whined like she agreed. Grady shook his head. "'We can't risk that. She'll fly away.' I don't think she will. We still can't chance it. The council has trusted you, trusted us, with a tremendous responsibility by leaving Sylvany in our care. She's incredibly important to our world." Sophie stroked Sylvany's chin. I just hate seeing her locked up, almost as much as she hated Sylvany's incessant transmissions. Sylvany, please, quiet. She tried to think of an image to explain the sentence, but how did a picture convey the absence of sound? It didn't matter. Sylvanie was insistent, stamping her hoofs and transmitting her commands. We have to do something to calm her down. She's giving me a migraine. Why don't you go into the enclosure with her? Sophie doubted it would be enough, but it was better than nothing. Treat? she asked Sylvanie as she grabbed a fistful of swizzle spice from the nearby pile. She threw the stalks as far as she could, and when Sylvanie trotted after them, Grady unlocked the gate, and she rushed inside. By the time the distracted horse realized what was happening, the gate was safely latched again. What now? Sophie whispered as Sylvany eyed her, sniffing the air for more treats. You're the one who has a special connection with her. Yes, but having a connection didn't mean she knew how to entertain a large, glittery horse. She couldn't exactly play fetch. She settled for calling Sylvany to her side and rubbing her shimmering fur until her mood mellowed. It's so strange that you can use your telepathy on her, Granny murmured. I just tried mesmerizing her and it had no effect at all. I wonder what they did to your mind to make it work that way. Sophie cringed. Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. It's okay. I know I'm a freak. You're not a freak, Sophie. Come on. Everyone thinks it. Not me. Right, sure. She pulled her hair around her face, wishing she could hide. "'I know it's hard. Do you?' Sylvany whinnied at the shouted question, and Sophie reached for her. "'Sorry, calm.' calm Sophie re- Sylvany repeated, filling Sophie's mind with warmth again. "'I do,' Grady said quietly, and the sadness in his tone made Sophie turn to look at him. "'It's not exactly easy being a mesmer.' "'Now he had her attention.' When she'd first met Grady he went out of his way to avoid telling her what his ability was. But she thought that was because the council had always was always pursuing him about it, not because he didn't like it. Kids at school didn't trust me after I manifested, told me they didn't want me messing with their minds. Others would lie to get out of detention and say I made them do whatever they got caught doing. And when I got awards or prize praise, they'd claim I used my ability to cheat. Even Edeline's parents teased me when we got engaged, said they should find a way to make sure I hadn't mesmerized her into marrying me. They meant it as a joke, but Sophie felt the same way when people teased her about being an inflictor, even when they were just having fun. Being powerful worries people, Sophie. It's unfair and it hurts, but can't you understand why it happened? She kicked the ground. She could, but that didn't mean she liked it. You've had a huge burden dumped on you. Trust me, no one understands that better than me. I wish I could make it easier, but I can't. Except to tell you the same thing my parents told me when I would get so angry I wanted to throw stuff. They'd say, Someday your ability will do big things, and the world will be grateful to have you. The words should have been comforting, and they were. Except... What if she really was someone's puppet? Could she be programmed to do certain things? Bad things? So, do you think Sylvanie will let you sit on her back? Grady asked. Huh? If you're going to be working with her, you're going to need to learn how to ride her. Sophie had a feeling he was just trying to distract her and cheer her up, but it would be fun to ride an alicorn. Then again, she was suddenly realizing how very large Sylvany was, and how very high off the ground her back was. How do I even get up there? Can you get her to kneel down? Maybe. Kneel, she transmitted, sending Sylvany an image of the position she meant. She had to repeat it three times before Sylvany lowered her head and bent her front legs. Amazing! Now, just make sure she's calm and climb on. Sophie stared at the crouched horse. What if I fall? We have Elwin on standby. Very funny. Come on, aren't you always saying we worry too much and never let you take any risks? Well, here's your risk. It was strange to have Grady so relaxed about her safety, though he did regularly ride around on mammoths and dinosaurs, so this wasn't exactly out of the ordinary. But he never had her do those things. Of course, Sylvanie was a glittery winged horse, not a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So, she sucked in a breath for extra courage, sent Sylvanie image of what she was about to do, and slowly stretched one leg over the horse's neck. Sylvanie raised her head as she straightened, sliding Sophie's down to the dip in her back just behind her wings. Fly Sylvanie asked, and before Sophie could respond, the excited horse flapped her enormous wings and launched into the sky. Sophie screamed as the whipping wind made her eyes water. Grady shouted things like, squeeze your legs, and wrap your arms around Sylvany's neck. But those required moving, moving was so not going to be possible. After what felt like an hour, but was probably only a few seconds, Sophie managed to get a white-knuckle grip on Sylvanie's mane, coiling the ends around her wrists for extra support. With her panic at a slightly more manageable level, she realized they were circling at the top of the domed enclosure. Sylvany was flying low enough to avoid the thick purple bars, but Sophie ducked anyway. Here, Sylvany, Grady called, running into the enclosure and holding out a handful of swizzle Spice. Come down for a treat. Sylvany ignored him. Apparently, terrifying her only friend was better than snacks. Order her to land, Sandor called. Working on it, Sophie shouted back. She took a deep breath, forcing her mind to relax as she transmitted images of them standing on the ground. Down. Sylvany nickered. Fly! Down. "'Fly! Down! Fly! Down! Fly!' Sylvani's mood turned giddy over this new game, and Sophie wondered just how much trouble she'd be in if she strangled the obnoxious horse once they were back on solid ground. Sylvanie veered to the left, sending Sophie flailing right. Gla- Gratty and Sandor gasped, but before Sophie lost her balance, Sylvanie's wings tipped her back into place. When the same thing happened three more times... Sophie realized what Sylvani Sil- was trying to tell her. You want me to trust you? Trust, Sylvany repeated. Though Sophie wondered if she really grasped the concept, especially when she started flying faster, with more twists and turns than any roller coaster would ever, could ever, have. Easy, she ordered, sending images of flying straight, of straight slow flying. Don't panic, Sophie, Grady called. I'm going to get you down. Sophie glanced below where the group of gnomes had entered the enclosure and were helping him uncoil a thick silver lasso. Don't, she screamed, Im- imagining Sylvanie turning bucking Bronco in the air. It's okay, I know what I'm doing. Somehow she doubted that. I can get her to come down on my own. You've got one more minute, he shouted back. Then I'm dragging you down. Being hogtied to a terrified alicorn and yanked from the sky was definitely not on Sophie's things-I-want-to-do list. Sylvany, please, take me down. She transmitted more images of her standing on the ground, all of which Sylvany ignored. She t- scared, Sophie said, trying a different tactic, but Sylvany didn't seem to understand the concept, flipping them in a series of loops. Hang on, Grady called, and Sophie heard the unmistakable swish of a rope slicing through the air. Take us down the transmission mixed with so much fear and panic that it felt like a cold blast when it left her mind. Sylvanie screeched, tucking her wings, and dropped from the air from the sky like a missile. Sophie squealed and braced for impact, but at the last possible second Sylvanie leveled off and touched down, stopping so abruptly it sent Sophie tumbling forward. By some miracle, she managed to land on her feet, but her legs were shaking and her head was spinning so fast she stumbled and collapsed right into a pile of alicorn manure.